0: What a gift um, that is as a way to help frame who we're trying to be as a church, that we just long to be a church for the spiritually hungry people to move towards Christ and a faith that's inspired, intelligent, and involved. And so we just want you to come and walk with us and even more in this season. I mean, every season requires something a little bit different from each of us. And um, and for me, I mean, I know I don't look that old, but I'm starting to get up there in age. And um, I've actually uh, am, am a marriage veteran. So what I want you to do is in the chat, I want you to guess how many years do you think that I've been married? I mean, you look at my face and my, you think maybe five years, 10 years in the chat, how many years do you think that I've been married? Yep. 30, 20, 55. It's been 55 years. No, nope. I've been married this summer. Kay and I, we celebrated our 23rd year of marriage. Can you believe that? I mean, we're, we're crushing it. And, um, but what's interesting is as I was reflecting on our marriage, I realized, gosh, there were seasons in our marriage when we were so in love. Remember those seasons, poof? They were so good. We were like madly, madly in love. And I think we're in love now, but I mean, there was definitely seasons where it was, easier to be a love. And I remember uh, when we were first married, we were babies when we just got married. We didn't have any kids. And in fact, we didn't have kids for eight years. So for eight years, we both worked and then we would like sleep all day Saturday. And we'd get up whenever we want. We'd take our dog to the walk. We'd go to Starbucks and try and then have lunch. And then we would go, what do we want to do? We have two incomes. So we'd go, let's go out to dinner. Let's travel. Let's do whatever we want. We had the best life, the best marriage. We were madly in love and things were epic. And then we said, hey, let's Let's have kids. And uh, I love having kids, but man, it definitely changed our rhythm and it brought a whole new season. And um, what was interesting is probably about five to eight years after having kids, I realized. I still love my wife, but the rhythm, it's a new season of life, a new season of marriage. And the things that we used to do to stay connected, to stay in love were just so hard with screamy kids and whiny kids and kids playing t-ball and just in our face all the time. And, um, and so it took about 10 years. So our kids were in at later elementary school. We finally were able to catch our breath and could not believe it took so long to catch our breath. We finally caught our breath. and We said, what are we going to do? We still want to be in love. We want to be married for the long haul, but we are now in a new season. And that season means that we needed some new rhythms. There were things that we used to do that worked, but now our kids are old and we can't do the same things. And so we had this great idea. We, uh, we got in the habit of, of having a glass of wine at the end of the day when our kids went to bed. It was like, oh, so good. But as they got older and older, they stayed up later and later. So finally we said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to join a winery. And on Friday afternoons, we are going to leave and go and have a drink wine while our kids are at school. And uh, hopefully we would never be called by the school. And thankfully that never happened, but we did. We joined Ramsgate Winery. It's just over on the way of Sonoma because we could get there and back before our kids were out of school. It's a little bit swank. I come in my old Navy gear and everybody else just stares at me, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly okay with that. But it is a little bit out of our our out of our, um, our class, I guess but we go and we drink fancy wine. And it was this new season, this new thing where we like, I want to stay married. We need time together. And our kids are, are in our grill all the time. And so we found a respite where we would drive 25 minutes away. We would drink incredible wine, have a great charcuterie plate and catch up and be with each other and allow God to knit our hearts closer and closer together. And so I know some of you are in that season with elementary school and babies and you're like, what? Is it ever going to get better? And I'm telling you, Yes, it does get better. It is very hard though, especially with being in Zoom and all that. So I know you may be in a season that you need refreshment. And if you do, I have one of my favorite bottles of Ramsgate Chardonnay that I would love to give to you. And if you want this, all you gotta do is take a picture of a sad moment in your life that you need some refreshment. And if you need refreshment, you tag me. I will personally deliver this uh, bottle of Chardonnay to you. And uh, if you are a runner up, then you get some two buck chuck free from um, Trader Joe's. (laughs) Well, what's so fun is every new, uh, new season does require new rhythms. And I love the idea of new seasons because for us, it's so startling. It messes us up on the inside. We get kind of discombobulated, but the deal is God is not worried about new seasons at all. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter three says this, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there is a time to dance. I love it. God knows that there is a season for every single thing under heaven. And so no matter what this season feels like for you, God knows that... He knows what's going on. He knows what you are going through. And he recognizes that every season requires a different posture, a different um, stance towards him, some different rhythms in our life. So we've had this new season, but now that new season means that we need to be in a new rhythm. And we are a COVID church. Not that it's here, it is nowhere near here because we are following all the protocols, but that means that we're not meeting in person. That means um, we have so many different things that are happening that we need to be prepared for. And so we wanna embrace those things. So we decided to embrace this new moment with a brand new um, series called Refresh. And it means this we want to refresh, updating our rhythms for a thriving faith. And you know that little refresh button on the computer, it's like your computer's working and it's working, you open up all these tabs and you open up all these programs, and the more things you open up, like your computer like it's struggling and struggling and struggling more and more and more. And sometimes you just need to refresh. And it clears the decks. And you get a kind of fresh start and go, okay, let's start over. Let's figure out what we need to do in this moment. And so that's exactly what we're asking you as the church to do, us as a pastors and staff team to do. How are we gonna update our rhythms? Because you see, those rhythms to know and love Christ, those don't change. Christians have been doing those for years, for centuries. They've been doing these rhythms, but every season requires them to look a little bit different. And what's incredible is we've actually figured out how to do this. All of us who have jobs still, right? We have figured out how to do our job in this world. Like we threw temper tantrums for a while, but at some point we said, if we're going to keep doing our job, we got to find a way to do it. All of our kids, all of our students, they don't want to go to school this way, but they are figuring out how to do school this way. They're still learning math. They're still learning English, but they're learning it in a new way. I'm so proud of my daughter, right? She's taking choir. I walk downstairs and she has choir class and she has to sing in our kitchen and she's uncomfortable and she gets mad at me because I'm ruining her mojo, but she is doing it. She is doing a refreshed moment, a refreshed rhythm in this new, excuse me, in this new season. And so there's certain things that God has told us people to do forever and ever. We're, We're called to worship. We're called to be together with one another. We're called to have a life of personal devotion. We're called to serve the world and our neighbors. We're called to do those things, but in this moment, we actually have to begin to find a new rhythm, a new way to do that in a way that works for this season. And I love the ministry of Jesus because Jesus brought a new rhythm, a new season, a new era to the world. In fact, everything about Jesus was showing up in interacting with people and trying to tell people, listen, The old is gone. The new has come. All the ways in which you've been living are actually... That's not right, we, the, you were living in an upside down world and all the things that you are valuing are not the things that I value. And every interaction you see with people, he's, he shows up and is, is explaining this brand new rhythm to them. And so what I wanna do is I wanna take, pa- take a look at this passage in Luke chapter five, where Jesus has this interaction with these Pharisees. Um, he's going, um, he's, he's had some celebrations, he's called the disciples, he's had some parties and the Pharisees are trying to figure out what is up with the followers Of Jesus, the followers of John, right? They fast, they wash their hands, they stay, they they eat kosher, they only be with holy and upstanding people. And Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners, and they're they seem to be breaking all the rules. And so that's where we're going to find ourselves this morning in Luke chapter five, verse thirty-three. So it begins like this: They said to him, "John's disciples often fast and pray." And so so did the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Well, Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And in those days, they will fast. And so you got to love this interaction where Jesus is with his disciples and they're eating um, instead of fasting. And the Pharisees are trying to figure out what is going on with this. Jesus, you are this rabbi and your disciples are not fasting. Don't you know that this is the season to fast? And Jesus is like, no, no, you don't understand. You're missing the temperature. You're missing what's happening because the bridegroom has come. Because the bridegroom has come, this is not the season to fast. This is the season to celebrate. And it was blowing the, the Pharisees' mind. And so what I want you to do in the chat really quickly, I just want you to think about what season are you in? What's the season that you are in right now? How would you, how would you characterize it in just one or two words? What are some of those things? How would you characterize this season that you are in? For me, as I was reflecting on this passage of scripture, I kept coming up with this idea of pruning. And pruning, uh, if you want a great garden, you have to prune, but pruning is not a very fun season. You're taking away all the fluff, all the things that you thought were, you were um, rooted to and connected to, it turns out you don't need. And more and more, over and over again, those things are being cut away. I think this, it's easy to think that this is a season of chaos, a season of unrest, a season of uncertainty. But it's only uncertain for us, right? There's a season for everything. God is in charge. God knows what is going on. And He wants to invite you and He wants to invite our church to be good news to a world that desperately needs it. And so how are we to be postured in this world in this moment, in this season. Because if this is a season of mourning and we're celebrating, we are going to miss it completely. If this is a season of celebrating and we're mourning, we're going to miss it completely. And I love Jesus because he's always compelling us. He's asking us to discern always what season are we in. And so he says to the Pharisees, why are you fasting when the bridegroom has come? The Pharisees were mourning. They were longing for the Messiah to come. They were fasting, showing, proving to God that they were religious, spiritual people, hoping that God would show up to them. And Jesus was like, "Um, excuse me, I have showed up. In fact, he says, I am the bridegroom. Now you think that's okay. Jesus said he's the bridegroom, but if you're the Pharisees, you know, because you've memorized all of scripture, the bridegroom was a reference to God. God was the husband of Israel. Israel was the bride. And so the bridegroom is God. And Jesus is saying, I'm the bridegroom and the bridegroom has come and it is a time to celebrate. And I just think the Pharisees' brains just must have just exploded because now what he's saying is not only is it a different season, but this Messiah you're longing for is me. And I am God. I mean, Jesus just flipped the script on all of them. So Jesus is the bridegroom. So not only is he equating himself as God, he's posturing himself in this love relationship towards the disciples, towards Israel, towards the church, towards his people. He's saying, listen, I am the bridegroom, right? When the groom stops and at the, you know, the beginning of the marriage ceremony and the bride, the doors open and the bride walks down the aisle and the groom just stares and looks and gets tears. like, oh my goodness, this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. That is God's posture towards us. He is the bridegroom. Well, then he goes on to explain it in a parable, which I always wonder, like, why do you explain these in parables? Because I don't understand them. And Jesus says, well, only people who know me are supposed to understand them. So then it makes me question my faith. I'm like, oh, geez, I better figure this out. Does that ever happen to you? But thankfully there's people to help me understand that. So Jesus, he has this moment. He then says, I'm going to help you understand this through a parable. So verse 36. He told them this parable, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they'll have torn the new garment and the patch um, from the old, from the new will not match the the patch from the old. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise the new wine will burst and the the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. And so interesting, what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about, he's the bridegroom. It's not a season for fasting, but it's a season of celebration. He says, okay, well, let me tell you this parable, right? You have an old piece of cloth and an old, old pants. And how do you fix those old pants? You don't put a new patch on them. You have to put an old patch on them. And what I love this picture about garments and old garments, like in a new season, we don't want old clothes, I feel so bad for our kids, they have to start school and we haven't bought clothes for them in six months. Normally, right, the week before school starts, we would go to, we go stores, we'd go shopping, we'd go, here are the new clothes for this new season. And instead, all their clothes are too small and they're too old and they're too out of style. And we're like, it doesn't matter in Zoom. And so they're trying to live in this new season with these old clothes. But we keep trying to fix this new things with old things. But the truth is that God has done a brand new thing. And through the ministry of Jesus Christ, he has done a totally new thing. And I love the picture even more of wine, of new wine, right? I used to be a box wine person. I didn't have a, I didn't have a good palate. I didn't know good wine from bad wine. But once I became a Ramsgate person, I'm like, no, I am all about the good wine. In fact, I only want good wine. I'd rather have water or good wine. That's how I roll. And the deal is Jesus, he paints this picture. And I love when he says, listen, the picture of the Holy Spirit of me doing new things is a picture of new wine. The Holy Spirit is coming into us. So this new season, needs these new rhythms, but these new rhythms need a new power. And that new power is the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't just do religious rituals. We don't just do the things that religious people do. We, we, it seems to have this outer casing, but we actually need to be born again to be made completely new. You take a brand new wineskin to put new wine for this new thing that God is doing. And so that's a hard deal. That's a hard thing to get our head around that our life actually has to change. The vessel of our life has to change. The, the way our life is postured has to change. It, the Holy Spirit isn't just this thing that we add on. It's not like, oh, I wanna keep getting, uh, be, to be a better runner, so I'm gonna add new shoes. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this one new thing. No, the Holy Spirit to do a new thing needs a new vessel. Our entire being needs to be postured for the Holy Spirit to come and to have access to us to make us new. So we need these old rhythms. Those old rhythms do matter. Worship and gathering together, um, personal devotion, reading Bible, memorizing scripture, those things matter, but doing them all by themselves are religiosity. We need a brand new vessel empowered by the Holy Spirit, met by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit can begin to transform us and mold us and change us completely. Now, I know I don't appear this way to you, but the truth is, um, I've, I, I really have always questioned my masculinity. And here's why I have soft hands, I cannot fix one thing. I can't fix plumbing. I can't fix fences. I can't fix cars. Um, I barely know the difference difference between a flathead screwdriver and a Phillips head screwdriver. And so when I was 40, I said, listen, it's enough. Enough is enough. It's time to become a man. It's time to figure out how to be a man and do manly things. And so my buddy Jake uh, helped me buy a Jeep that didn't work and the only way it was going to work was by actually fixing it myself. And I started buying tools. And I was like, yes, I have tools. And I, and I remember the very first time I, tra- I changed the transmission. I, like, I had the transmission fluid on my fingers and I like, would pull them to my nose. I'm like, yes, I'm a man. These are my insecurities. These are my issues. I'm still working them out. But that's what I, I've been working on my Jeep over and over and over again. Well, last summer, um, something was happening. that was weird. I was driving my truck around in, every, in my Jeep. And every time I would drive around, it would start sputtering. Like it wasn't getting enough fuel uh, into the gas tank. And, the, and I was trying to figure out what is going on. Now, because I'm... I'm not a man. And I don't understand how cars work. I'm just trying to figure out, well, how, what does it need? Is it out of gas? So that was my first solution. So I would go to the gas station. I would fill it up, but it only took a gallon. It only took one gallon into the gas tank. So I'm like, well, maybe there's something other problem. So I would drive a little bit and it would keep sputtering. I'd go to the gas tank gas station. And I'd put a half a gallon in. So I realized, hey, it might not be the gas. So there's something probably in the fuel line. So uh, what do I do? Um, I take the gas tank off and I, and I look in the gas tank and I, uh, and I see if there's rust or anything. That there's not. So I put it back. But I thought maybe that would do the trick, which of course it didn't. Then I thought, what else makes a car work? Oh, spark plugs. So I changed spark plugs. Why? I don't know. That was just the only other thing I knew how to do. So I changed the spark plugs and it still didn't work. Well, for, for four months, my Jeep did not work. It had plenty of gas. It had plenty of power and it had all the mechanisms to do, all the rhythms to make it work. But the gas was not getting to the engine until finally I realized there's this $24 fuel pump that was broken, a fuel pump. But now because I've owned my Jeep for four years, I know how to buy a fuel pump and install a fuel pump. And a couple hours later, it all worked. And that little fuel pump is exactly what we're talking about needs to happen for us as followers of Christ. As followers of Christ, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit And as religious people, we have religious practices that help us know and love God. But you need the fuel pump. You need that mechanism in the middle to connect the Holy Spirit to our religious practices. And that combination allows the Holy Spirit to mold us and to shape us and to be the new thing, the new people that God needs us to be in this very moment. And so as you've heard from our staff, our staff is doing all sorts of new things. We are doing Zoom on church. We have Zoom connection groups. If you click on the, on the gather, right on the front page, there's a little button that says connect on Sunday morning. And right there, there's some places and tools for you to begin to figure out how to connect personally in your own walk with God. There's a reading plan. There's a discipleship experience. There's things for you to do personally. These are all religious practices that have to happen. But what makes them, what matters is when they are connected To the Holy Spirit, and so as you see, we this new season does require these new rhythms, and these new rhythms need the new power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that we get access to the Holy Spirit, one of the ways that we tap into the Holy Spirit, the way that that fuel pump, what that fuel pump does to my Jeep, is prayer. Prayer is the is the mechanism that connects the Holy Spirit to the rest of our life and the rest of our devotional life. I love it. In Ephesians chapter six, verse 18 and 19, it says this, that we are to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, with all requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the the Lord's people. And pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And this passage in Ephesians has been so shaping for me because this is My posture as a pastor pastor, is our posture as a staff that we want to be praying for you as a congregation, for us as a church over and over and over again. And selfishly would pray that you as a church would pray for us pastors and as leaders that we would make the gospel, the mystery of the gospel known.